Oh, hey, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Roundup, which is normally hosted by David Menzies and some unfortunate co-pilot, I just, but today it is hosted by myself and my friend Tamara Ugolini. Tamara, how's it going? Well, it's pretty good. Very snowy here in uh, the part of Ontario that I'm in, so there was a snow day today for the kids and lots of shoveling already. What about over in the West? I think it's like minus 19. So, um, normal, just, (laughs) just normal, (laughs) just normal. We have more cold days than snow days. Um, the snow doesn't phase us. It's the cold where everything just like breaks down once it gets to minus 40. And that's when they don't think it's safe to have the buses on the road because the kids will freeze to death before you could get to them, which is, um, you know, there's a reason they gave the land away for free. (laughs) I always think about that. I'm like, why the hell did my ancestors settle here? I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah free land. That's that's why, because you literally have to pay people to move here. Um, but it is the land of opportunity um, and economic prosperity, as it turns out, if my predictions for the Alberta budget, which comes down later on today, are correct. I think we're going to see a massive, massive budget surplus. And that I think is owing to the resurgence of the oil and gas economy here that Justin Trudeau just wants to crush again. And this is why we fight so ferociously for oil and gas is because um, it it is a wealth generator and Justin Trudeau wants to take it away from us because our wealth makes us powerful. Um, I should tell everybody what we're doing here. By the way, there are some David Menzies catchphrases missing from our opening, you know, part of the show. Uh, For example, ostensible policy reason should definitely be on there. Um, David Menzies saying in any event, which um, has become an internal joke for me and Alex um, and de rigueur. He finds a way to shoehorn that into just about every video um, <laughs> that he writes um, when he's doing uh, something filmed in studio. So I think maybe we need to um, scheme up some more of David Menzies catchphrases. Friends in the comments um, watching today, do you have a favorite David Menzies catchphrase i have many but i think it might be ostensible policy reason um it's excessively <laughs> verbose um but it's perfectly david menzies um but anyways what are we doing um we talk about the news of the day unscripted here and we interact with our friends and colleagues i get to interact with my friend tamara ugolini which is great because she's in snowy coburg and i am in the frozen hellscape of northern ontario or northern alberta um, but also we get to interact with our supporters and frequent mm-hmm. frequent watchers, um, and they can interact with us by leaving something called a paid chat. Um, we stream currently on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, and Getter. I think that's right. Um, but on Rumble and Odyssey, you can leave a paid chat, which allows you to support the work that we do here at Rebel News completely willingly. Um, out of the goodness of your heart, because you want to see us live on to fight another day. Um, And uh, we'll never take a penny from Justin Trudeau. So we rely on the support of our viewers at home. um, And we appreciate every little bit. So if you want to leave a paid chat, we'll do our best to read them. I think maybe as they come in, but we often leave them to the end of the show to incentivize you folks to stay around to the end. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. And I don't know, are we on Getter anymore? I think it's just the other the the first four. I don't know. But um oh my goodness, there's Nobody so much happening. Me. We're still on Getter. <laughs> Olivia tells okay. me. Okay. <laughs> Great. Getter it is. I think I forget to mention Getter when I uh 
am on the live stream with David, but he is out in the field. So stay tuned for his always eye popping journalism to come in the near future because uh, Menzies never ceases to surprise any of us. Um, No matter how long I think you've known him, (laughs) you're just never really sure what you're going to get next. Um, so there's so many things to cover here, but I think first and foremost, we're going to dive into some videos of our overlord, uh, prime minister, Justin Trudeau, when he was questioned yesterday during a health, a health oriented press conference and announcement with, um, pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca. But of course the media wanted to, to capitalize on the opportunity and really started to pepper questions at the prime minister around election interference and China's role in really grabbing the liberal party and, um, tampering with our with our elections so let's start with with that first clip that we have of his response calling everyone who questions china's interference in our elections racist one of the things we've seen unfortunately over the past years is a rise um, in uh, anti-asian racism linked to the pandemic uh, and concerns being (laughs) raised or arisen uh, around uh, people's loyalties i want to make everyone understand fully that Han Dong uh, is an outstanding member of our team and suggestions that uh, he is uh, somehow not loyal to Canada um, should not be entertained. Much of what CSIS actually does in keeping Canadians safe involves protecting various diaspora communities from influence of uh, authoritarian governments around the world. We will continue to make sure we are working with CSIS to make sure that as every MP serves their community, that they do so in a way uh, that they are kept safe and that uh, is true to the Canadian values and the Canadian principles that we all stand by. Um, CSIS is active in fighting against foreign interference and part of its tools for doing that is making sure that political parties and individual politicians are alert to uh, the potential influences they may be faced with. That is something we will continue to work closely with CSIS on uh, as we move forward because not just our democracy needs to be protected in an abstract way, but the individuals choosing to serve their communities who may be seen as greater targets uh, for various countries Uh, need to be protected as well. And that's what we work with CSIS on. I feel dumber for having listened to that, knowing what I know. (laughs) And how do you protect democracy in an abstract way? Is this the same way that Ukraine protects democracy by squashing all of their political opposition and shutting down churches that might not tow their narrative line? Yeah, like let's... Now that we've heard Justin Trudeau call anybody who says like, hey, maybe we should be worried about China getting involved in our politics racist, let's just break down how absurd that is. So CSIS, leaks from CSIS allege that, not allege, I think they've pretty well confirmed that 11 MPs were elected because of Chinese influence. And again, if you question it, you're racist. Um, Of course, the liberals aren't going to 
uh, I mean, we know China is Justin Trudeau's favorite democracy or favorite dictatorship. Sorry, definitely not a democracy. <laughs> but this is why calling it racist is absurd. Because the people being bullied by China are Chinese. So uh, in BC alone, Kenny Chu and Alice Wong, two ethnically Chinese Canadians, were the targets of this Chinese meddling campaign. They were the targets of it. Chinese people are being targeted by China as part of their election meddling. Kenny Chu and longtime MP Alice Wong lost their seats. Parm Baines, I think, won uh, Kenny Chu's seat. Um, and I forget who won Alice Wong's seat, but she was unseated because China targeted them. And if you're like, hey, uh, China's targeting ethnically uh, Chinese Canadians who are anti-communist and pro-Canada, how can you be labeled racist for expressing out cry about that. He says that part of CSIS's duties is to make sure the diaspora is not bullied by these sinister foreign regimes. That's exactly what's happening here. China is bullying Canadians in Canada, ethnically Chinese Canadians. And the influence went even further. Here's how Handong one is riding. Chinese senior citizens were bussed in to help him win his nomination with his name written on their arm so he they knew who to vote for. And then, you want to talk about bullying that CISA should worry about, ethnically Chinese foreign students were told by the Chinese consulate, we're going to yank your student visas if you don't show up and vote for Handong. So this is actually, as Justin Trudeau rightly noted for once, he said the right thing. CSIS is supposed to be concerned about bullying of the diaspora by the sinister regime over there, like Iran, like China. There, CSIS is literally doing that. And Justin Trudeau is dismissing it mm-hmm. as racism. When I'm like, hey, they're targeting Chinese. We should be worried about that. Um, no, he, you're a racist if you care. If you question anything about this government, you are labeled yeah. a racist, uh, a transphobe, a, a science denier, a climate change denier, the litany of gaslighting projections really onto the population that just say, hey, something's not right here and maybe we should trust our intel the the people in charge of our country's intelligence that something is awry here. Um, no, no, we can't have that because that would question my authority. And in doing so, that makes you a racist. And I mean, are we even really surprised that the same government who told us, you know, closing borders to China at the onset of the pandemic was racist? Um, I, at this point, I'm not surprised that anyone who who questions or goes against what Justin Trudeau says or the way that he acts in power um, is labeled that way, because we've seen time and time again, it's just like a fail safe resort for them to come back to labeling people, putting them in this little box and disregarding their views as probably also far right conspiracy theories. Uh, let's go to this next clip, I think, of Justin Trudeau, because I've got an also uh, like a another note to make about how absurd it is to call criticisms of Handong racist because I was looking into his history of voting in the House of Commons and 
Yeah, you'd be surprised what he didn't vote for it. And this is all fresh in my mind because I just did a video on this. So it's not like a, <laughs> Sheila knows these things off the top of her head. No, I, I did some serious research so I could put together an appropriate video. So let's go to this second clip, if we could. Were you, your office, or any Liberal Party staff ever warned before or after September 2019 election about CSIS concerns that Mr. Hong Dong was suspected to be involved in the People's Republic of China foreign interference? And if the Liberal Party government was warned prior to the 2021 election, why did the Liberal Party allow him to run? Let me start by being very, very clear. Oh, always. There are 1.7 million Canadians so clear. who proudly trace their origins back to China. Those Canadians should always be welcomed as full Canadians and encouraged to stand for office, to get involved in their communities and to take on part of the leadership of this country. That's one of the great things about this country. Let me say that we are extraordinarily lucky and happy to have a member of parliament like Han Dong uh, in our midst, serving his community, serving our country alongside Chinese Canadian MPs from different parts of the country, alongside an extraordinary diverse group of, uh, of MPs. There it is. Mm -hmm. Who are proud Canadians, even as they trace their origins to elsewhere around the world. And that is as it should be. It's also very important to highlight that we have national security and intelligence agencies who are there to protect all Canadians of all different origins, as well as our democratic processes. And we always engage with them and listen to them. But let me also be very clear to a really important point that I think uh, some folks are choosing to overlook. In a free democracy, it is not up to unelected security officials to dictate to political parties who can or cannot run. That's a really important principle. We, of course, draw on the expertise every step of the way. But the suggestions we've seen in the media that CSIS would somehow say, no, this person can't run or that person can't run, is not just false, it's actually damaging to people's uh, confidence in our democratic and political institutions. Um, the only thing that's damaging to our political trust and political institutions is literally Justin Trudeau. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who blocked pro-life candidates from running. You could be liberal on all other things, except if even if you took the secular viewpoint that scientifically you believe that life begins at conception, you were not able to run as a liberal candidate. If you thought, uh, no, self-declaring yourself as the other gender, that's a little bit kooky. Um, if you said that, you were not allowed to run as a liberal candidate. But you can literally have CSIS saying, hey, no, don't don't run this guy. This is super bad. Um, and Justin Trudeau will say, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, we'll sign off on this. Um, I would have the same criticisms for Justin Trudeau. In fact, I do have the same criticisms for Justin Trudeau that I have for Han Dong. Uh, Justin Trudeau has said that China is his favorite dictatorship. Han Dong, get this. 
This is why, again, it's absurd to call anybody who criticizes this nonsense racist because Han Dong refused to vote against China's racism. He snuck out of the House of Commons instead of voting in favor of a liberal-sponsored motion to condemn Chinese genocide against Uyghurs and Turkic Muslims. So he snuck out so that he didn't have to vote with his own party on this, exhibiting loyalty to the Chinese state more so than to the Liberal Party of Canada. But according to Justin Trudeau, that's all fine and dandy as long as it wins, I guess, 11 ridings across the country. But Han Dong is the one that's okay with racism because he refused to vote against China's racism. And again, like I just, the gall of Justin Trudeau to think that he can get away with this stuff. But I guess he does because he bought off the media. Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes to show as well when the Freedom Convoy hit in Ottawa, just how it rallied so much support from law enforcement and the intelligence community. I mean, Trudeau was clearly stealing from the Xi Jinping playbook by imposing Chinese style lockdowns, dictatorship reign over Canadians all throughout the pandemic pandemonium. Um, and with and also with the electronic health passes known as the Arrive Can app, because he has probably been under the influence of China since he was elected liberal leader in 2013. So well, and- are we surprised that Canadians have are seeing now this tip of the iceberg is starting to unveil itself? in terms of just how much interference the Chinese uh, dictatorship has played in our country and the political system here. And we also lived through, like, look, let's talk about the hypocrisy here. We lived through a year of everybody freaking out about foreign meddling. And I, but they said it was Russian. And I was like, okay, well, I cared about foreign meddling a long time ago when they were when foreign funded campaigns were coming from San Francisco to block oil and gas development, like as early as, I don't know, 2010 mm-hmm. <laughs> where like there's there's literally billions of money coming in to influence our elections and our government policy um and so foreign meddling is 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 a real thing when it's real and so we lived through a year of the liberals and the media but i feel like i'm repeating myself there telling us that there were russians under the hood of every truck that was in ottawa during the freedom convoy it was a russian backed kremlin operation except there was never any evidence that it was anything other than a completely organic blue collar uprising of people absolutely fed up with being told how to live their lives and having their constitutional rights stomped all over. But it was according to the liberals. And even now they still talk about Russia, 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 Russia. Uh, It's like the new red scare, except there's no there there. And now we have evidence of real foreign meddling, real red scare. This is the real red scare, by the way. This is like communists influencing the government, which Mm -hmm. is what the red scare was like, you know, three quarters of a century ago. Uh, But they don't seem to care at all because they, the liberals who won't shut up about protecting democracy are willing to sell out our democracy to the Chinese as long as they win 11 seats. That's how, what they can be bought for. Yeah, I think I think that you pretty much nailed it on the head there, Sheila. Um, it's it's just shocking that 
the gaslighting continues and the zero accountability, no transparency from this government who out the other side of their mouth will tout, oh, we're the most transparent government and we promote accountability. And it is just the exact opposite. And um, I'm just glad to see this hitting the mainstream. And I was actually pretty shocked yesterday hearing as I listened live to this health conference um, or press announcement, hearing just how much the media was pushing back on Trudeau. And I wished that that would have been over the course of the last five, eight years, uh, similar. And so I I don't know if he'll, my guess based on history is that he will get away with this and oh I apologize and we're going to do better next time and let me be the most clear I've been um talks but but yeah I'm just glad to see this is hitting the mainstream and that the mainstream media is pushing back on this and not just sort of cowering to the idea of of oh no are we actually racist and we better stop asking this line of questioning because that makes us racist yeah it's kind of shocking and I see that Han Gong did one of the things that Justin Trudeau does all the time. He investigated himself and found himself innocent. So, so <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Whoa. I'm like, oh, that's very typically liberal. Um, when he, he was questioned about like, hey, did like, how did you not see a bunch of seniors showing up with your name on their arms? Uh, you. And he's like, uh, well, you know what? I had my campaign volunteers and campaign staff investigate for irregularities and wouldn't you know what we didn't find any so mm-hmm. I guess we're all good and I'm like well, that's a little perfectly liberal um which is something Justin Trudeau just did with the public order emergency commission investigating himself and founding find himself innocent yeah. um okay we have uh some things in store for Han Dong so friends um stick around I think they're launching later on today um, at least I was rushing to get things done before I jumped on the live stream with Tamara. So we will be, we've got, um, what, how do we want to call it? A public awareness campaign brewing about this. Um, and there are some fun ways to get involved. So, um, stay tuned for that. Keep checking back at our website and make sure you sign up for our emails. So you never miss a story mm-hmm. or an event like this story events, campaigns, make sure you're signed up for our emails. Um, and if you go onto the rebelnews.com main page, like it, there will be a pop-up. It's real easy. Just put in your ad or your email address. And then uh, we're friends forever. Besties. We're like this after that. Um, We should go to the ad break. And then there's a lot of uh, we're, (laughs) I guess the segment is called climate slash LGBT. So um, (laughs) we got a lot of (laughs) the current thing. we got a lot of those stories. And um, I I just love this story about the drag show, by the way, I had to write it up for the website. I was so excited. Um, So let's hit the ad break and let's go to that. I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis when violent and fanatical men are attempting to destroy the unity and the freedom of Canada. But after weeks of dangerous and unlawful activities, after weeks of people being harassed in their neighborhoods and small businesses forced to close, as democracy flourishes in Canada, we don't always agree, and that's okay. Because individual liberty is cherished in Canada. Our government will always 
defend freedom of expression and freedom of peaceful assembly. It has now been demonstrated to us by a few misguided persons. After evidence of increased ideologically motivated violent extremism activity across the country. Just how fragile a democratic society can be. It became clear that local and provincial authorities needed more tools to restore order and keep people safe. These are matters of the utmost gravity, and I want to tell you what the government is doing to deal with them. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act. The public's legitimate right to know why the government proclaimed an emergency and whether the actions it took were appropriate. It is our view that there was no justification whatsoever to invoke the Emergencies Act. This is so tough to watch. There's no reason for that. They were literally running the horses through the crowd. The police came straight to me and he targeted me and he, he, he took his gun of tear gas and he actually shot me directly in my legs. Was it worth invoking the Emergencies Act, ma'am, to trample on the rights and freedoms of Canadians? Why do you think excessive honking means means that the government should strip citizens away from their rights? Our next and final witness is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Order a lot. I should tell everybody before we move on to the next story that we have one last in-person showing of Trudeau on trial. It's at Church in the Vine on March 8th. Great church, great people. They stood up to the Alberta government and paid a real price for it. $80,000 fine levied against them for shooing away the inspectors while they were preaching on the pulpit. Just absolutely insane. But they're great church they care about free speech and the right to speak your mind and speak what's on your heart and they have agreed to show trudeau on trial it's the pg version of course because it's in a church so uh what that means is it's family friendly to take the kid older kids i think the younger kids would be kind of bored but older kids um there's no swears um and we've made it an affordable price point i think it's 12 dollars 14 service fees 14 11 so it's uh, an affordable family evening out and um, I think we have pop and uh, chips. I'm not making popcorn this time. I made popcorn for three hours <laughs> last time we did one of these and it's just too taxing um, because I have other things to do at these events. But um, yeah, so it's pop and a drink or a refreshment and a, or refreshment and like a snack. And uh, you can get tickets for that at trudeauontrial.com. But don't sleep on it because every single time we do these events, it sells out. And then like the last minute day of or day before people are like, oh, I need tickets. Sheila, can you help me get tickets? I can't break the fire code. So, so please get your tickets now. Yeah. There are certain rules meant to be broken, but that particular one is yeah, I not. don't want anybody burning um, alive. That's like a real safety thing. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into this climate nonsense and the, I think it's two S L G B T Q. There's two more letters and then it's a plus. Um, topic. I can't even keep track anymore. Actually, I just received uh, an email from our school board and they they had it all written out. And I thought, where did these two extra letters, when and where did they come from? But anyway, um, we have uh, a video here of 
climate alarmist David Suzuki speaking at a rally in British Columbia about the old growth harvesting the logging industry. And um, it's funny because the, the clip is captured by, I think this is like a 15-year-old kid, and he points out in there what Suzuki is saying and directly contrasts it with a certain flag that was present at the event. So maybe yeah. before we chat about that, let's show let's show you this clip let's show of it. David Suzuki yep. being it's radical. Good. The thrust now. You go down to the corners in Vancouver now. There are signs. Recall EB. Have you seen that? This is a, the, the, it's a, a legacy of the truckers, the anti-vax movement, all of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And when you confront them, it's about freedom. Freedom without responsibility is not freedom. That's anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a rejection of society. So understand. We have a relationship that gives us responsibilities. And the problem we face today is that we have in very recently come out, uh, uh, removed ourselves from a web of relationships to thinking we live in a pyramid where we're at the top and everything down below is for us. And even when you hear, you know, we have forgotten that we are one animal species we live on the surface of the land. Oh, yeah. We know no, nothing about talk. what's in the oceans that cover 70% of the planet. And yet we've invaded over 85% of the oceans have already been invaded. We have taken over the land, which, which is our area of living. I, you just can't even keep up. So yeah, that clip comes from this, this young guy named Tyson Hockley. And I love that he points out that there is li quite literally an anarchist flag in the crowd <laughs> as Suzuki is like attempting to to group everyone who I guess wanted to uphold their own bodily autonomy um, as an anarchist. But David Suzuki really er, encapsulates, I should say, a rejection of societal norms. I mean, everything that he's doing is so radical. He like he threatened to to blow up pipelines. That yeah. sounds pretty much like anarchy to me, um, and not very responsible either. But yeah, we're, we have um, Drea's article here, which I wanted to. I thought one um, paragraph in particular really hit it the nail on the head where she says instead of forming illegal blockades i think it's just down a little bit further um yeah there it is yeah, instead of forming is. illegal blockades and throwing manure at the premier's office like anti-old growth logging activists in british columbia have done before the activists behind the recall david eb campaign seek to use bc's existing recall legislation to get rid of NDP Premier David Eby's ability to sit in the Legislative Assembly by recalling his MLA seat. So this doesn't sound very anarchist-like to me, it's the Sheila. Opposite. I don't know. <laughs> it's literally the right? opposite of anarchy is using the existing laws. And again, calling the truckers anarchists, that's insane. Because the point was the truckers didn't want no rules. They wanted the laws of the land respected. They wanted the Constitution, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to be recognized again by a government that was yeah. disregarding them. And this is all part of these uh, extremist old growth logging 
protests taking place in BC. Um, and they're blocking the roads there, right? Like they go out into the streets yeah. and they block the roads. And I'm reliably informed that that constitution constitutes a national security crisis. And I will tell you one thing I know about environmental activists, they don't have a lot of useful life skills, tangible life skills. And so I am of probably very strong suspicion, and I'm probably definitely right, that they don't have the logistics skills that truckers have to keep a lane of traffic open for emergency services vehicles, which is indeed what the truckers did. And I definitely, definitely think that people who ride a bike for a living, uh, they are not able to recognize how to keep you know, lanes of traffic open. But, you know, listening to David Suzuki, and I don't know if you know, but I did write a best-selling book about David Suzuki called The Unauthorized Biography of David Suzuki. And I did it to ruin his special day because he was getting um, an honorary degree from the University of Alberta, a university that is supported by the oil and gas industry and who graduates a lot of people in the technical engineering fields who go on to work in oil and gas. And he was getting an honorary degree from the university. And I thought, you know what, let's ruin it. Let's tell everybody all the things we know about him that will not be reported by the CBC because frankly, he's a creation of the CBC. And mm -hmm. uh, because he's a fruit fly geneticist, he's not an environmentalist by any means. But yeah. it, one of the reoccurring themes from him is that, okay, he's anti-immigration. He basically says Canada's full. Um, I think his parents were first generation Canadians because he was in a Japanese internment camp as a child. Um, so this is a guy who should know what xenophobic sentiment can bring um, to new Canadians. He calls in his speech there, he called people invaders. He said, we're just another animal, which is like, I'm not just another animal friend. I'm the top of the food chain. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, this is his outlook on people. And he's always been a hypocrite. That's why it doesn't surprise me that while he's calling other people anarchists, there's an anarchist flag behind him. He's also said that like he's a depopulationist. He said there are too many people on the face of the earth. The guy's got five kids. He also said that, um, you know, the the oceans are rising. Um, but he owns beachfront property. One of his houses is literally on the beach. I'm like, mom. <laughs> You seem to think it's a good investment to live on the beach. So the oceans can't be rising that quickly. And he says, you know, like we have to get rid of fossil fuel commuting. He owns a house or an apartment. I think it is when I pulled the property records in Australia. I think it's a condo in Australia. So his commute to his property in Australia is an actual circumnavigation of the globe. <laughs> but me driving to town the half an hour to get milk, I'm the real problem. So, I mean, he's just uh, among other problems with um, some of his like insisting on um, an all female security detail when he speaks on university campuses, which is completely weird. Uh, he's just a hypocrite, but the mainstream media just glosses right over it because, oh, look, it's David Suzuki. And when he's really just a crazy old man. <laughs> as evidenced by that clip that we just showed you. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of, of crazy old man, and maybe he's not an old man necessarily, but uh, the next article that we have to share with you is an NDP member of parliament who basically equates anyone who supports the oil and gas industry as a white supremacist. 
Um, and so Sheila, I think you'll probably have more to say on this particular topic, given that you are the uh, oil child of Alberta. Yeah. And a but, bit of an um, expert on the NDP. <laughs> just a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. yeah so Matthew Green. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say NDP MP Matthew Green. So Hamilton Center. Hamilton remains one of the crazier places in the country for some reason. Like they just start to, it, it's crazy there. And I think, um, mm-hmm. thank God, uh, hometown of Efron, <laughs> our head of video, um, it spawned Efron, but um, not a lot of other good things. Um, oh, also, um, Fraser McBurney, fight the fines recidivist. Yes. He's never going to run out of things to protest in Hamilton because it's a crazy, crazy place. But anyways, NDP MP Matthew Green, Hamilton Center, uh, claimed that conventional oil and gas supporters espouse white supremacy. He called it anti-Indigenous that targets an- Indigenous communities, that targets environmental justice activists, said Green in a video on social media. And it's real for me. How? He's in Hamilton. What does he know about any of this? Um, Dale Swampy. uh, So Dale Swampy is, he used to run the National Coalition of Chiefs, told the Canadian Energy Center. So the Canadian Energy Center is um, a crown entity here in Alberta. Uh, that any belief of broad indigenous opposition to energy projects is not a reality. To say that we're against mm-hmm. development is ludicrous. <laughs> we're in favor of prosperity, said Swampy. People think we're all on welfare and against every piece of development that comes our way. It's frustrating. We know that the majority of chiefs are in favor of participating in major oil projects. Um, this Dale Swampy is absolutely right. Um, in fact, on some uh, reserves in the north, in and around Fort McMurray, their unemployment rate is lower than the white communities around them because of their partnerships with oil and gas. The Miccosoo Cree own a multi, I think they're approaching a billion dollars um, in uh, like an oil and gas company. It's a Miccosoo group of companies. Uh, every major oil and gas project in the north of Alberta, if it any it goes anywhere even close to an indigenous community, there's a partnership, often right of first refusal for jobs. If there is an industry in this country that I would describe as indigenous, it would be oil and gas and mining. And we know that the numbers stack up. The the They employ, by a share of the population, a much greater share of the population of indigenous people are employed in oil and gas and mining. Why? Because those projects are in their communities. So get to stay on their traditional land, practice their traditional culture, and get out of generational poverty. It's a win-win-win. And some white liberal from Hamilton who's gone nowhere near an oil and gas project, let alone set foot anywhere near Fort McMurray, is saying that this is anti-Indigenous and it's real for him. His policies would seek to employ thousands of Indigenous people, Indigenous people living and working in their communities on their traditional lands, stewarding the land for future generations. And I think one of the most vocal activists, proponents of oil and gas development is my friend, Robbie Picard. He is Métis and he is the biggest booster for Fort McMurray, but also for families like mine that you will find in this country. And he does it largely for free because he cares about getting his people out of poverty. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly the story that you will never see in the mainstream media. They want to find the most radical, fringiest groups that are acting yeah. like actual anarchists as promoted, promoted by David Suzuki, the likes of David Suzuki. Um, and they that's who they'll feature. And they'll never feature how this industry has alleviated poverty and allowed the flourishing of economic growth in any of these communities, but rather just espouse these radical ideas of these these uh, far left radical ideologues like NDP, MP, Matthew Green, and the likes of David Suzuki. Um, so speaking of <laughs> the climate alarmism topics, we have a an ice uh, an ice drag show. I guess, uh, figure skaters, um, and their, their plans, unfortunately had to be canceled because well, the ice was melting. And, um, so Sheila, d- did you say that you wrote, wrote this up earlier because I must've missed it? Yeah, I wrote it up for the website yesterday. Maybe we can find my version because I looked into the other possibilities for what they could have done if they actually wanted this to go ahead. Um, but yeah, this is, as they say, the intersection of two far left ideas, climate change and gender theory. And I was like, what a hellish, perfect storm. This is a special circle of hell for me. If I, yeah. <laughs> if I don't die in a state of grace, if they don't permit the priest to come to the hospital upon my death, um, this is where I will end up at a climate change drag show for eternity. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyways, um, I wrote this up and it says uh, climate change themed drag show on ice event canceled global warming blamed. And uh, the, the names of some of the drag protesters here are really. Oh, that photo. (laughs) Just the photo alone. I mean, okay. Well, the, the best part is that even in the CBC article, they can't really blame climate change because they're saying they use words like unseasonably warm. So this is not a usual thing. It's like an errant sort of uh, weird mark on a graph that doesn't make any sense this year. It's just an oddball year. So um, they say Philadelphia faced its warmest January in 91 years. Okay, so my SUV wasn't around the last time it was this warm right? Like 91 years ago, uh, but somehow it's climate change. And uh, they go on to call it unseasonably, unseasonably, unseasonably. And this is put on by the Bearded Ladies Cabaret. Um, (laughs) And they call themselves a girl gang. And there's one person dressed as humanity, or I think, is it humanity? I forget. Yeah, there was a bunch of really weird um, affiliations that they were trying to tie in here. Yeah, there's I think one person is depicted person is depicted as humanity. And then the rest are like oil and gas, fossil fuels. And this person skates around and then oil and gas come and like take all their clothes off, basically like stripping them of their humanity uh, until this person is mostly naked um, at this, like, I don't know, climate change stars on ice meets drag queens. And they also, to throw in for good measure, they also have somebody dressed as nuclear energy dancing to Britney Spears' Toxic. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, non- Oh my it's non- gosh, I can't believe this is real life. Yeah, non-binary parental guardian nature dances to an Ariana Grande number 
and then skates out to warn the audience that paying for carbon is a placebo for actually reducing their reliance on fossil fuels. Now, I point out that there is, this is put on by Philadelphia Climate Works and a bunch of other garbage, uh, Philadelphia Jobs with Justice. Anyway, uh, it says drag and queer performance is an act of survival and the climate issue is an issue of survival. So I think they're quite aligned, said the person who put this stuff mm -hmm. on. But I noted that, um, you know what would have helped this thing go forward? is um, doing it in a fossil fueled indoor arena, like the one in Philly, where I think the um, flyers wow. lost catastrophically to the, was it the devils the other day? It was like seven zero, maybe it was it uh, Canadians, but yeah. So there are arenas where you wouldn't have to cancel your stuff, but those rely on fossil fuels to keep things artificially chilled and then other parts um, warm. Yeah, I said, if only there were such a thing as indoor artificially cooled ice surfaces made possible by reliable fossil fuel energy, some kind of enclosed arena perhaps, where the flyers lost to the Canadians on Friday night, which is exactly what happened. Well, and this is an outdoor rink. I mean, they still rely on fossil fuels to keep the rink and the ice fresh yeah. and cold and hard. And um, there's pipes that run underneath of that rink to keep it cold. I mean, you can see in this photo here, which I imagine is from a previous event at this outdoor arena, that they have boards and everything and, and everything that the drag queens are wearing everything that they plaster on their faces this all comes from the oil and gas industry um yeah the weird I, I'm glad that you read that little placebo part because I guess the people had to pay um to offset the carbon footprint of the event and, and then they they're were like just, Haha, I tricked you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> basically because for it's a placebo for actually reducing their reliance on fossil fuels while you are putting on a show using all of the fossil fuels what do you expect is going to happen here and then it's like a really weird normalization for the future which we predict of you know trading your carbon credits um yeah. That is just like an eerie play on what people would otherwise have coined, you know, a year or two ago as a conspiracy theory. And we won't say the technical word, which we're not allowed to say on YouTube, but um, paving yeah. the way for you to essentially be boxed into a community. Yeah, I, I forget who said it, but I know my friend Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science also says it all the time that carbon credits is paying someone for the exchange of nothing. <laughs> so you paid someone for the exchange of literally nothing. And you're like, ah, I saved a whale today. Like it's so stupid. Um, but people fall for this stuff, obviously. Uh, same mm -hmm. people who go Clearly. to um, all ages drag shows. Um, well, it reminds of me too of that trans figure skater. Remember from Finland where there was just like an epic fail. <laughs> and so I'm still I convinced that, these... that that was a fake. I'm still, I, I just can't even believe that that was real. I can't was, even believe that it? this event was real. And I don't even think some of these, these drag queens. Oh yeah, here <laughs> we go. <laughs> oh, just so lost looking. And here we're going for a turn. Oh, and a spin. I'm going to get it. Every time I, no, every not, time oh. I see this, <laughs> every time I see this, I'm like, there's a perfectly good woman. <laughs> who is yeah, losing an opportunity here somewhere. This could have been yeah. like a perfectly good just out there 
living her best life, taking advantage of an opportunity that should have been afforded to her. I saw, um, the, I think it was on C Oh, naturally it was on CBC. It was, um, uh, indigenous model model. Cause everybody who posts to Instagram is a model now that went to New York. I think it was New York fashion week. And then I was like, okay, well, who's this model? modeling women's clothes click on the link i'm like oh, yeah <laughs> what no. am I looking at uh, an overweight dude and i'm like sam smith has done something really terrible to yeah. um society over the last i think 18 months but i'm like okay so we could have had a, a strikingly beautiful indigenous woman walking the runways of new york celebrating her culture and instead, some guy on too much pop and chips is walking in her place. I'm like, what the heck is going on? But yeah, this is um, tolerance is acceptance, I guess. Progressive. It's so progressive. 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 Stealing, <sighs> stealing opportunities from women in the name of progress. Feminism. Feminism. Yeah, where uh, are the feminists? Oh, I don't know. They're mad um, at Derek Reimer in Calgary, obviously. Yes, let's pave the way for our next video here, which is a uh, Calgary pastor, Derek Reimer, who was essentially assaulted, like really yeah. um, trying to, to shed light on and denounce this Calgary public library drag story time. And it always just makes me wonder why our tax dollars are going to fund these institutions like a library, which isn't really an institution, but a public service um to host these sorts of events like if you want to do the drag weirdness uh go and, and and expose your children to that kind of stuff then go in your own time and do it and go and pay somewhere to rent a facility if they would even let you um but why does why do our tax dollar funded spaces have to go towards this so let's sh let's show this this clip of pastor being assaulted for love is love right Okay, that's insane. So, yeah, uh, Derek is fight the fines client number two, by the way. Uh, just behind Pastor Art, he was in trouble for the same thing feeding the homeless in downtown Calgary and caring about. Calgary's forgotten people during the time of COVID. So we know Pastor Derek very well. But um, what I think is remarkable, it, uh, by the way, we do have a campaign because uh, Calgary's Mayor Giotti Gondek is trying to weaponize Calgary's anti-harassment law, which is unconstitutional on its face because there are such things as harassment laws that are in the criminal code and not uh, bylaw problems. Uh, she wants to weaponize it to shut up anti-drag protesters who are like pastor Derek outraged 
at government facilities and little kids being exposed to these in government funded facilities. I don't think little kids should be exposed to drag at all. I think it's an adult burlesque thing. Um, So, but if adults want to do this in private places, okay, who cares? Uh, I won't go, but um, this, these are private companies making business decisions. Not who cares, but I just, I don't think there's a place for me to be all that interested in it. It's the showing it to little kids in a library, which is supposed to be a safe place for little kids. Like if you want to read little kids a book, read them a book. Why do you got to do it dressed as a lady? Uh, like That's what more than I don't understand. Yeah. Reading the children librarians books, are like wholesome. To, that's yeah. their job. <laughs> They're supposed to look like Miss Frizzle from, from the Magic School <laughs> Bus, right? Yes. Um, but there are things. So by the way, getting back to the campaign. So we have uh, fightcensorshipfines.com if you get one of these anti-harassment laws for peacefully protesting um, a drag queen event in Calgary, let us know. Go to fightcensorshipfines.com and submit your uh, find there. Tell us your story. And if you want to make a donation to help people like Pastor Derek, obviously there, you can do that at the same website and it is done in partnership with the Democracy Fund so you qualify for a charitable tax credit because we don't think protesting government policy should be illegal anywhere, no matter where you fall down on this issue, which is funny because uh, some of the more frisky anti-drag queen protesters, so like the pro-drag queen people who show up to want to fight Pastor Derek, uh, some of them were charged under the anti-harassment law because they showed up with megaphones and they're being obnoxious and making noise. And the Calgary police said, ah, this actually falls under the unconstitutional uh, bylaw. Let's ticket them. And so now the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is beside themselves because they got what they wished for (laughs) <laughs> they just, but however, they didn't want the anti-harassment law equally applied. They only wanted it applied to their political enemy. So now they're mad. Um, but uh, what we're seeing, like, Derek is right. Um, there are places where little kids are not supposed to be. You know what? Sometimes I go to wrestling events and sometimes they're not all ages. Uh, sometimes I go to MMA and those are not quite frequently all ages because the violence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that there may, I, I get the point now wrestling is kind of campy. So I, I mean, come on, settle down. And I think parents can make the decisions for that kind of stuff, but this is hypersexualization. People dressed as men, confusing kids and doing a normal thing, like reading a book, which is, I think what I find so sinister, but uh, did you hear, this long way for me to get to this one point. Did you hear what the lady said when she was talking to whoever it was when they like assaulted Pastor Derek? We don't want the kids in here to be upset. And I'm like, that's why Derek's there. (laughs) Derek is also there for the same reason. They're like, we don't want the kids to be exposed to his hate and his violence. And I'm like, you guys just shoved him around, beat him up in front of a bunch of kids. You guys are really concerned about the kids. Give me a break. Well, and actions speak louder than words. And so naturally, these children, as you already mentioned, are going to be so confused because on one hand, they hear all this fluffy, flowery language being espoused. And on the other side, they see the actions are directly conflicting with what is being said to them. 
So, I mean, the assault on your ability to rationalize and make logical sense of these situations from a young child is just astronomically awry in this whole situation of drag story time and further compounded by the way that they are acting in videos like this and in other videos that we've seen, like that series that Drea um, put out with the protesters outside and they call for Antifa and the intimidation tactics. It's really, really gross to see and especially seeing it all be reinforced by bureaucrats and politicians and then of course the mainstream media who turns a blatant blind eye to the aggression and the and the violence and the intimidation while trying to hold up and prop up this narrative of love is love and inclusivity and tolerance and again it's the same hypocrisy that you see over and over again in the government and in the world and in the policies that are just on different different realms of hypocrisy. But it's all hypocritical and you can point out the holes all day long. But until the masses start to see it and until the mainstream media starts to take their job of doing actual journalism seriously, um, unfortunately, people have to rely on, on places like us to get that, those reports and get that other side and see the full scope of what's going on in the world because there are rose-colored glasses being put on everything. Um, so I'm hoping that you don't see, you see us here for what we, we really are. And we have taken so much time. Um, we have one other topic in yes. the title that we should just get to, which is apparently that... Um, these pharmaceutical lobby partnerships are going to reduce our carbon footprints. Um, oh my I guess keeping people out of hospitals, uh, the hospitals no. contribute to a certain percentage of carbon emissions. And yes. somehow um, research and development for biopharmaceutical products is going to reduce the healthcare system's carbon footprint. So we have the CEO of AstraZeneca in that press announcement yesterday with Prime Minister Trudeau and Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Um, we have a small clip of him saying that pretty much verbatim. So if you want, we will check it out now. And finally, we can also save a lot of carbon because people don't know, but the uh, healthcare uh, services actually uh, produce 4% of uh, carbon emissions in the world. That's on average in the world, but in advanced uh, countries like the US, and I'm sure it's the same in Canada, 8% <clears> of carbon <throat> emissions come from the healthcare sector. And it's mostly in hospitals. So going to a hospital is bad for you, bad for your health, but you cost money and also you generate a lot of carbon. So if we can keep people out of the hospital and cure them quickly, we will really ha affect uh, uh, <laughs> people, but also uh, countries and societies. Uh, in a big way. And finally, yeah, it's, again, the hypocrisy, right? You have a pharmaceutical giant, the CEO of a pharmaceutical uh, company, saying that if we can cure people, well, the cures aren't financially reliable for a pharmaceutical company. They're not vested in the interests of creating cures. They don't want to cure, cure anybody. They want to create customers and lifelong clients. So again, you see the hypocrisy of what these people are talking about as he's flown from who knows where to be at this one day, one hour long press release and is somehow saying that 4% healthcare um, carbon emissions 
is is detrimental to the environment and climate alarmism. I mean, as soon as they started tying in <laughs> their investment in Canada with climate change and climate alarmism and the, the whole carbon nonsense, um, that right there, your my red flags are up already. Yeah, these people see us as the carbon they want to reduce. Yes. And so I'm always, especially when these people are the pharmaceutical companies, it makes me very frightened. Just looking at him, um, why do all these people look like, as I always say, vampires familiars? They look mm-hmm. like the life is being slowly suckled out of them every single night. He looks like uh, Renfield from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like he doesn't look like a healthy guy. And he's a, a pharmaceutical CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you think about like these, they talk about climate change because it's a popular thing and they they want to get in tight with the government and they already are. Right. But think about the waste, the carbon waste, the garbage associated with a never ending regimen of boosters that don't work. So Mm -hmm. you're creating all this waste to administer boosters that don't work every six months in perpetuity. And you're lecturing me about my climate footprint. Get real Renfield. Like give me a (laughs) break. (laughs) And the whole announcement was this AstraZeneca lab hub being built in Mississauga here in Ontario. And I would be really interested to know what the carbon footprint of a biopharmaceutical research and development lab and hub creation would be, right? Like that's going to be way more than 4% healthcare carbon emission. Um, And how much goes into, you know, researching and developing all of these products and all of the plastic used for all of these products and the glass and the, the mechanics of developing pharmaceutical products. I mean, I I would imagine that the pharmaceutical lobby has a massive carbon emission, but they want to deflect from all of that by blaming your hospital visit as the problem. Uh, yes. Uh, we should get to some of these chats. Yeah. Because yeah, so we have, have a few. On, yeah. And there's one that was missed the other day that I want to address, even though I'm not sure that we can as a company's address it. But I think since the editorial team is here. You and me (laughs) are the editorial team. We can sort of uh, do our best to address it. So um, we've got one from Ableist that said, this was a chat. So it wasn't um, like like this came in as a chat the other day, but I want to point out the reason we flagged it is, uh, I said he wasted $6 on unanswered super chat questions. Um, So Yankee, thank you for digging this up. We said that it was a $5 chat that we missed, and we're sorry, um, calling the conservative porn star the R word. And I'm going to tell you, I don't use that word because if you are a parent or someone with a developmental disorder or disability, this is like the N word for them. This is so dehumanizing. When you say lib that word, I don't use it. I, I refuse to use it. It is so dehumanizing to the most vulnerable people amongst us. I'm not one to language police. So if you want to use it, and if you want people to think of you a certain way, when you use it, that's fine. But I'm not language policing. But I personally, that word will never leave my mouth. It will never leave my mouth. And I have made the mistake in my earlier life of using the word, but I will, ne- I will never use it now. Never. 
Anyway, let's go on. And this person asked for Rebel News's general views on pornography as a whole. And this person stated that they wanted aggressive regulation of the live action porn industry. Now, uh, I don't think as Rebel News, we have a general stance on pornography, but I think that generally speaking, and if you want my viewpoint, and I think my viewpoint is probably uh, something similar to the company as a whole. I think uh, pornography, even when it is willingly entered into by both parties, the consumer and the person involved behind this, like the, the, I guess, the actor, if we can call it acting. I think that no matter how you slice it, even if everybody's consenting, it is absolute exploitation. It is selling the human body. It is cheapening the human body. And if you're someone like me who thinks that um, sex is a sacred covenant, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's revolting. And whether or not that woman or the man participating in the pornography sees it as damaging to them, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it is damaging to them and to the consumer as well. The amount of marriages and relationships that are ruined due to porn addiction and the constant mm-hmm. stimulation of that portion of your brain, it's devastating. It harms wives, it harms children, it is terrible. Now, regulation of the live action porn industry I don't even think that's going to be necessary or something you're even going to have to think about anymore because of AI. I've seen articles. I try not to delve into that world, but I'm always concerned about, you know, how this is a moral and ethical issue and the implications of AI on pornography are chilling, chilling. The amount of deviancies that will be fed um, and probably made worse um, through mm-hmm. AI, I think is problematic. And it is, um, I know my, one of my fascinations is serial killers. How do normal people end up there? Seemingly normal people end up there. And uh, there is a constant progression. And I think that AI pornography will lead to not fewer sex crimes and murders, but probably more because AI can only address certain things as it rewires your brain until you need to step it up and accelerate it. That's how Paul Bernardo went from being the Scarborough rapist to Paul Bernardo serial killer is because that rewiring of your brain requires constant stimulation and stepping it up all the time. And I think AI is going to feed into that and make the cycle happen a lot quicker, Um, especially with the worst of things where you cannot find an actor to participate in it. So I think that's where I'm at. I'm at, at pornography. I think it is um, dehumanization, demeaning, um, and frankly, evil. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add there because I, I, com- I completely agree other than noting that it contributes really to a gross hypersexualization of people mm-hmm. and sadly, primarily men. Um, and yet further contributes to these deviances. And um, it's a waste of, of your sexual energy. Um, If you Mm. are in a partnership, if you're in a marriage, I wholeheartedly believe that your partner should receive all of your energy, whether that be sexual or otherwise, and wasting it away on really grotesque scenes and situations that are not wholesome and, um, and in a lot of instances loving is, is inappropriate. 
in my opinion. So um, that is something that I very highly denounce and do not want to partake in or have anyone in my family partake in. And it's really sad to see young men being so really indoctrinated by that sector um, Mm -hmm. because it's not real life. And it shouldn't be. And the the unreasonable expectation placed on their female partners after, you know, being expected to live up to the things that they've seen on the other end of a screen. I think it is uh, destructive to the female psyche also. And I think uh, in my younger years, I took a more libertarian approach to this. I thought, you know what, there's two consenting adults, the consumer, Mm -hmm. the people on on screen, Mm -hmm. what's the role in it for me? If I don't consume it and I have my own religious viewpoint, um, okay, whatever. But now, you know, when you look at the damage that it does to people, uh, I'm my libertarian tendencies with regard to that are completely evaporated. And there's a lot of outright pedophilic tendencies happening in oh, what you would find easily access on the internet there. And that is, is disgusting and contributes to that normalization and um, also further victimizes young women and teens who may be being trafficked. And so there is a whole, I mean, we could probably go on and on. So there's a whole bunch of issues here with um, pornography. And uh, in my personal opinion, very much is in alignment with with what Sheila has said and what I've already said thus far. Um, But let's let's move on here because we have our our favorite rebel, uh, Fraser McBurney. He gives $5. Thank you, Fraser. You can tell he's lying because he is blushing. Yeah, so I assume that was in um, response to Trudeau and the sad short clips that we had to show of him. Sorry for that, <laughs> everyone. Yeah. Um, and Mark gives $5. China is a, na- a nation, not a race. Canada is not a race. It's a nation. Jamaica is a nation, not a race. I am sick of JT, Justin Trudeau, saying country is a race. Yeah, maybe Justin Trudeau is the real racist here. <laughs> Blackface. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, case in point. Um, yeah. The $5 again from Fraser. Thank you. The chatter... Charter of Rights and Freedoms is a proclamation issued in the UK Parliament. The Canadian Bill of Rights was passed in the Canadian Parliament and is law in Canada. I'm um, not sure how accurate that is, but um, yeah, yeah. There's one's provincial legislation, one's federal, and so one supersedes the other. And in the absence of having more time to get into the nitty gritty, which I think I've actually done in a video with. Um, uh, lawyer. Oh, I can't remember his name, but anyway, you could dig up my video from several months ago and we just, um, specifically discussed the bill of rights and why it wasn't necessarily a, an appropriate piece of legislation to, uh, cling to in this context and in the context of business closures and things like this. Um, so anyway, with that, we're 10 minutes out and I think the studio's tied up in, uh, next segment. So we have to get off the live stream. Um, yes. Closing remarks from you, Sheila. No, uh, just thanks so much, Tamara, for um, helping me through this, and thank you for sharing my viewpoint on pornography. Since we are the editorial team, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not feel alone. Um, and thanks to everybody who chipped in um, to uh, donate a little bit to have their voices heard here on Rebel News. Sorry, we missed that chat from the other day. Uh, we are not perfect, but we achieve to be better every single day. Thanks to everybody who watches and shares. Thanks to everybody behind the board. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane. Thank you.
My name is Ben Bankus, he, him, hold that. As Prime Minister of Toronto, I will do everything in my power to make sure that the trans community feels safe here at Union Station, where one trans person was assaulted nine years ago. So we are going to be making all crime illegal. To implement this, we will be defunding the police and starting a new service called the Please Stop Doing Bad Stuff Brigade. This will also solve our new migrant crisis. Vote Ben Bankus. All the other candidates are racist.